James chapter 1. We've been going through this uh, uh, series in James, and last week we talked about caring for widows and orphans, and, and it says, religion that is pure and undefiled, verses 27 of chapter 1. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction, to keep oneself unstained from the world. And uh, we talked about last week how this idea of caring for widows and orphans is rooted in the Old Testament, Deuteronomy, where God says he cares for the widows and orphans. And that word care is where we get the word justice. And it has to do, and it's intricately tied to this idea of shalom, well-being. Now, we don't use the word shalom, but we understand well-being. Justice is concerned. God is concerned. God cares or seeks justice about Shalom. And so we look, he looked at and brought up the idea of widows and orphans, those who are unprotected and those who are vulnerable. And justice is this idea that it translates beyond just like economy, poverty. It goes into relationships. It goes into all kinds of different things that have to do with who we are as, as human beings. James goes on then to write, and, and you've got to understand, there's no chapter break in James's letter. We put the chapter break later. So the idea is continuing. James goes on to say, hey, look, after he just said widows and orphans, he says, this is pure, undefiled religion before God, or religion that's pure and undefiled before God is to visit orphans and widows in their affliction, to keep oneself unstained from the world. For example, my brothers, show no partiality as you hold the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ the Lord of glory. Show no partiality. So he's keeping with the same idea. For if a man wearing a gold ring and fine clothing comes into your assembly, and a poor man in shabby clothing also comes in, and if you pay attention to the one who wears the fine clothing and say, you sit here in a good place while you say to the poor man, you stand over there or sit down here. Have you not then made distinctions among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Listen, my beloved brothers, has not God chosen those who are poor in the world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom which he has promised to those who love him? But you've dishonored the poor man. Are you not the rich ones, the ones who oppress you, the ones you drag into court? Are they not the ones who blaspheme the honorable name by which you were called? If you really fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. You're doing well. But if you show partiality, you're committing sin. And are convicted by the law as transgressors. Whoever keeps the law, the whole law, but fails in one point, has become accountable for all of it. For he who said, do not commit adultery, also said, do not commit murder. If you do not commit adultery, but do murder, you have become a transgressor of the law. So speak, and so act, as those who are to be judged under the law of liberty. For judgment it was without mercy to the one, or to one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. James goes on with this idea of justice, and he goes into favoritism. So now he's talking about a cultural thing, an economic thing, where people show favoritism, partiality to one, preferring one over the other. I saw this message coming uh, back in June when I was preparing, and, uh, and I was like, okay, Lord, when are we doing this thing? And uh, as I was praying through this, it was very clear that this message here on partiality is bigger than just an economic and social favoritism. It's bigger than just that. Favoritism can stretch beyond that. 
And this morning, what we're going to do, actually, over the, as we look at this passage, I'm going to break this passage into three different sections. It's all going to be about favoritism. First one is going to be, actually, this morning, and about favoritism as it relates to race. Because that's a pretty relevant topic right now. Second one is going to be favoritism as it relates to a social or economic thing when you see the context here, relational. And the final one is to talk about mercy that is uh, prevailing over, um, as he says it right there, over judgment. Uh, this morning as we begin this thing, what I'm going to do is in a moment show you an interview. Uh, it's a panel discussion of six pastors uh, that are Guys, brothers I know, I was in small group with one of them, prayed with all of them. Um, these guys love the Lord. They're godly men. They're pastors up in Cleveland. Um, they're part of the Christian Missionary Alliance, our denomination in our district. They're godly men. And uh, they were interviewed by Todd trying to help us as pastors understand the dynamics that are still going on in our culture. There's a survey I want you to see up on the screen. It was done by George Barna, who's an evangelical Christian. And he was trying to understand race and evangelical Christians' perspective on it. And he said, racism is mostly a problem of the past, not the present. So the percentages you see here are people who strongly disagree with that statement. 42% of all adults strongly disagree with it. 39% of white people strongly disagree with it. 59% of black people strongly disagree that it's a problem just of the past. Next. Racism is mostly a problem of the past, not the present. Those who strongly agreed now. 7% of all adults. 13% of evangelicals strongly agree it's just in the past. 3% of no faith, 12% of convert conservatives, and 4% of liberals. People of color are often put at social disadvantage because of their race. This is those who agree with this, strongly or somewhat. 67% agree that people of color are at a social disadvantage because of their race. 56% of evangelicals, 78% of Democrats, 57% of Republicans, 62% of white, 84% of black. As we look at favoritism as it relates to race, the church has lost its voice in this. And there's a lot of reasons and complications as to why that we don't have time to go into this morning. This morning is designed for us to sit and to examine, one, do we really understand what the experience is in an African American as they go through life? Have you ever walked in their shoes? Do you know what life is like for them? Have you ever spent the night? You ever have them over, you ever go over, you ever know their story as a culture, as a race. If we're to be the church, the church is to be the shining light of equity, justice. We're the ones that are supposed to set the pace for that. 
And I encourage you to listen to their stories and what God may have to say to us through them this morning. It's 42 minutes. I have never done this before in 14 years of ministry. Show a video like this. But it is so relevant and it is spot on. And it's so balanced. Um, just feel led that this is what we should do this morning. So I invite you to listen in. I know we're uh, running late here. I just want to close with a couple thoughts. Um, what would it look like for our church if we go with just the statistics that 50% of evangelical Christians are really unaware of the role of discrimination and favoritism in our country and they think it's all done back when slavery was ended. If there's that unawareness and uh, lack of understanding about that and 50% and saying it doesn't impact today, I would say somewhere in that percentage there's those of us in this room that may have been unaware of that and this video is going towards helping you understand that. Um, but what would it look like for us to be a church who hears this call from God that says, my people are going to be people who move into justice and equity. And we're going to be the ones who champion places where people are experiencing favoritism as it relates to racism. I just talked to a former police officer, part of our church, um, and he said, oh yeah. He says, I remember being, being in the, the room. And he said, and, and they would just say, pull them over, pull them over. He's like, oh, all the time, pull them over, pull them over. This is their experience, it's still going on. And, the, and what Christ says is, look, and I don't know whether you know you signed up for this or not, but he put on each of us a mantle. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, it's this mantle, and it's called reconciler. You have a mantle to reconcile people to God and to each other. I have that mantle. Now, maybe you didn't sign up for that, but that's what it means to follow Christ, to take his teachings seriously. And I, I think as we go forward, my prayer is as a church that we take this seriously. Um, in your bulletin is, is a pamphlet uh, that they handed out at the district conference. I'd encourage you to read through that. If you were thinking, what's next? Read through that. We may have a trip here in the summer where we're going up to Cleveland, inner city. It's, it's kind of an immersion experience where you... Literally, and, and hopefully, I, I think what it is, is it's bringing in, you can do this as a family, but if not, even as adults or students, uh, high school and up, or, where you spend time understanding what is the experience of, it, of the inner city? What is it like to be an African American? What is it like to be a refugee? And maybe that's something God would put on your heart. There's all kinds of things we could say. I know this service is going long. But, but the passion Christ has for justice is huge. And he's called his people to pull their weight and, and to come along with him and say, 
I, I want you to be someone who fights for justice, shalom, well-being. Let me pray. Lord, would you help us to untangle even thoughts that we have? I'm so glad, Holy Spirit, that you make things clear. And I pray today that you would do the work more than anyone's voice in our spirit and our souls. And you would show us, Lord, what it means to move forward and leave this place and to love people. And, and Lord, to see this, the church shine and the church become all that she's supposed to be, just like you designed and have this vision for. And I pray fresh waters in that more and more, Lord. Pray for your love to be on us. I pray for that hunger and that drive to be reconcilers, to be ones who fight for injustice or justice and, and move into injustice and inequity, and to bring shalom to our brothers and sisters, to those around us, God, who are of a different color, different race. In your name, Jesus, we pray this. Amen.